1: Hey now, welcome to another episode of Run Vast Option. My name is Chris Vassar, a.k.a. Coach Vass. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, coach, and passing game coordinator, Mike Kafka, joins me. We discuss all sorts of topics, including the evolution of the Chiefs offense, the percentage of the base offense versus weekly tweaks for different opponents, or to build off of another play. We talk about... Putting together specific packages for opponents, their training camp inventory in terms of their offense, quarterback fundamental drills, what they do during a game week, what his schedule is like, what he's responsible for, how they plan ahead for certain looks from defenses. Yes, they do individual drills. We talk about Patrick Mahomes and what it's like to coach him, the best part of his games. Of course, I I couldn't help myself. And the championship question. Along with play calling mechanics in game Make sure you check this episode out Stay for the whole time, it's awesome And it's a pod first It's the first time that we've interviewed a current NFL coach Coaching for my money, the best quarterback in the NFL And I think when all said and done If he keeps on his current trajectory Maybe of all time But I will let other podcasts debate that Because that's not what we do here Alright, housekeeping Housekeeping I do think you're sleeping. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at CoachVast, the show's account at RunVastOption, the defensive show at MDGA Podcast, YouTube.com slash Football. I've kind of taken a little bit of a break from that, but there's some videos up. I plan on getting back to it once the football season starts and then back in 2022, but I've been trying to get through some CoachTube courses as well as make sure the Patreon is rolling. Got some exciting stuff on there. But if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, do that. As I mentioned, patreon.com slash Coach We got everything you need under the sun. Check out the different tiers, whether you want info, webinars, or you want a film library access, or all of it, or all of that, plus consulting. Check that out. Let me know if you have any questions. Follow me on either show's Twitter account. Hit me up. Say, hey, what's the deal with this Patreon? And I will be sure to answer any question you have. I know Patreon is not something that's usually seen a lot in the sports arena. I get a lot of questions like, what is this Patron thing? And I get it. I found it because of my love of things outside of football. So I realize it's new to a lot of people, but don't be afraid to ask if you have any questions. I am always here to answer them. I know a lot of you checked out the store when it first opened and there was a lot of t-shirts and things like that. And but it was freezing temps when they were released so you probably just said yeah that's great and clicked off but we have make defense great again shirts in almost every color definitely we'll have your school's color and you can get a little QB tears action on the back there's mugs there's water bottles we even got chef aprons cuz we're insane stay tuned also for the coach tube course of the week and if you're interested in the huddle sideline camera, check that out, huddle.com slash If you can't remember any of these links, just remember linktree.com slash coach Everything is there. And if you can't remember that, just go to my Twitter account. The link is there. I got a link to the links to the links. Listen, I know there's a lot of stuff out there. you got a lot going on. It's summertime. You're not trying to remember web links. I get it. So I try to make life easy. If you can't remember anything, go to my Twitter account. It's all there. Or just ask me and I'll help you out. With that being said, for the next couple of weeks, if you do hit me up and I'm a little slow to respond, it is because I am going on some visits to some schools and some NFL facilities for the first time in over two years between my life stuff with my mom, taking care of all that, starting a new business, then obviously this thing that happened last year, this COVID thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's kind of a big deal. A lot of people haven't been traveling. I'm finally getting to go. I'm hopping in my car. I'm driving up to Wisconsin. Going to spend a couple days there. I got a couple other visits I'll share along the way on Twitter, I'm sure. If you want to keep me company when I'm on the road and you want to talk some football, shoot me a text. Of course, I would not read it when I'm driving, but when I stop, Give me a call. Keep me company. I love talking ball. I got a lot of driving, and I could sure use some company. All right, let's get into the show. Let's get into
0: it, man.
1: My guest today is Mike Kafka, passing game coordinator and quarterback coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Coach. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh no man thanks for uh thanks for coming on. I remember back I don't know. It was like six months to a year ago. One day I was sitting there at my computer and I got a follow. everybody's equal and everything good like that, but whenever you see the blue check mark, you're always like, "Who's that?" And I clicked I just saw the blue check mark and it, I saw it was you, and I was like, "Oh my God, and got like really nervous and then was immediately like, "Hey, do you wanna come on the show? I don't even think I wasted any time." <laughs> I'm really excited to have you on. So take us briefly, before we get started, take us briefly through your playing career and and how you made the jump from Northwestern GA to the position coach for one of the most talented NFL quarterbacks in history in such a short time.
0: Sure. So, um, you know, I I got drafted in 2009 uh, to the Eagles under Coach Reed, um, played there for a couple of years, ended up bouncing around the league for another six or so years. And, uh, you know, that was tough. But at the end of the day, I think it ended up making a difference for me. I'll tell you why. So, you know, after that, after my playing, I kind of was in a transition to where, you know, what do I want to do? I want to take this entrepreneurial path. You know, wanting to get into coaching. You know, I love football. I love being around it. And so I kind of was just, you know, at this transition point where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I'm reaching out to some of my mentors. One of them was Coach Fitz at Northwestern. And I kind of just laid out my situation and what I was thinking. And Coach Fitz was like, "Hey, listen, we we're going to have this graduate assistant spot open um, this spring. If you're if you're interested, you know, let's, let's get you to apply. Let's get you um, let's get you in school and see if this thing will work out. And you know, give it give it give yourself a chance at it because you know it's a lot easier to get started now than you know later when you're a bit older and trying to get back into it. And then also I was working up against the time situation for being a GA. You can only be so many years removed from um, your graduation. So there was a bunch of different rules. So, um, you know, spent some time with my wife, we talked about it and, you know, it was, it was nice because my wife is also a Northwestern alum. And so it was nice, like, just to kind of get back into the mix of it. And, And so we took that jump and, You know, it might have been three or four days into it. I was like, this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. I mean, I just fell in love with with coaching the kids, um, just the atmosphere. And um, I love, you know, the coaching side of it, the X's and O's, the scheme, the culture, building all that stuff is just exactly what I wanted to do. So um, I get to Northwestern, having an amazing time, amazing experience, learning so much in such a short period of time. But like during that whole process, I'm kind of trying to figure out, all right, you can only be a GA for so many years. You got, you know, a wife, you got a kid coming, like you got to make a move. So, um, I'm, I'm also just like I'm, I'm reaching out to the networking, doing some networking stuff. And so, in those times where I was bouncing around the league, although it wasn't great as a player, it was amazing, uh, you know, to get into the coaching profession with that because I had all these touch points, all these contacts and connections I had made with quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, head coaches, GMS. You know, I was communicating with them. And, you know, might not have worked out as a player, but, you know, I never burned a bridge. I stayed in touch with people, reached out, writing letters, emailed everything. Um, so I stayed in, in touch with a lot of those people. And, um, you know, one of them was Coach Reed. And so, you know, staying in touch. And there was a few other things going on that, um, that I was looking into. But Coach was, you know, more aggressive. And he was like, hey, Mike, you know, we're going to have a spot for you. Um, you know, just keep me posted and, you know, let's talk right after their season, you know, about any kind of any kind of uh, uh, situation with the Chiefs. <clears throat> so I was like super excited about that and everything worked out. So, you know, I get on board with the Chiefs. So I'm working in the off season and, and Coach Reed's kind of like, you know, we're, we got this young guy, we're going to draft this young guy, Pat. And, you know, one of your responsibilities is to make sure we get him up to speed with the quarterback position, how to play quarterback in a professional level within this offense, um, how to prepare, how to study and kind of, um, you know, show them the way a little bit, and kind of give them some structure. And so that was, you know, a big part of, of that was spending a bunch of time with Pat early morning, you know, watching tape early with him, getting them, you know, protection rules and game plans early so he can study and make sure he was prepared. But um, that's kind of been, you know, the journey thus far in my coaching side of it.
1: That's wild. We're going to draft. We're going to draft this kid named Pat.
0: <laughs> and just like exactly. some
1: kid. Yeah, uh, I know.
0: Well, there I mean, there was a bunch of great quarterbacks in that draft. And I know I, I didn't know who it was going to be, um. but I knew we were going to probably go get one. And uh, and then well, obviously, once we drafted Pat, it, I, you know, we right the day we drafted him, you know, everyone was so excited. We were just, you know, we were formulating the plan to kind of, you know, how are going to get. Get them on our, you know, get him caught
1: up to speed. Well, the Chiefs' offense on paper is one of the most fun to study from an X to O perspective. But then you inject this insane level of talent that you work with. Take us through the evolution of the offense from basically let's let's say from when when you got there, when, you know, when, when you drafted uh, Pat, and and to how it's evolved to today. Yeah.
0: Well, like the, the beautiful thing about this offense is. Consistently evolve each and every year since I've been here on staff. Every single year, we're always looking at new things, and it's really been a, a collaborative, a collaborative effort between the entire staff. You know, always trying to find new ways to put our players in a good spot to be successful, in the best spot to be successful. Right. It's not the thing that you got to realize is it's not a really a one-size-fits-all offense. You know, we spend a lot of time figuring out where to put people, what our guys do best. And, and work at those tools and, and fundamentals to make sure we get the most out of them. You know, I think that's, that's been a huge part of the evolution is, you know, making sure that we put our guys in the right spot and then allow them to put their personality on the offense.
1: So speaking of putting the offense together, you know, how much percentage wise of what you run on a weekly basis, I think this is something that, a lot of coaches at the high school and I'm sure college coaches have mm-hmm. more access so they may know this answer but a lot of high school coaches I think a lot of us and maybe I'm just um I'm I'm polluting the sample size with my beliefs but I think a lot yeah. of us just assume you guys put these brand new plays together every week that are from scratch and you have all this time cuz everybody's just in the building all day and you create these new offenses every week but how much in reality are you putting in week to week versus what you put in during OTAs and, and, and training camp and those things? Like how much are you, are you tweaking plays? Are you creating plays from scratch? Are you tagging certain routes or saying, okay, you know, last week we ran sale out of this look. So we're going to, you know, stick the out and then pivot back in or or, or something where you're, it's, you're setting someone up. Like what would you say? And I know it's maybe hard to, put an exact number yeah. on this, but ballparking, what, what would you say percentage wise is stuff that you guys put in that is constant and then how much gets yeah. tweaked and then how much is just brand new every week?
0: Gosh. Gotcha. Yeah, that's good, good. Good question. So I'd say, so in general, I mean all game specific, you know, in that aspect, I'd say, you know, we certainly have our core concepts that we carry each and every week and just look to dress them up. Um, whether formation, a motion, a shift, a different person in a different spot. So that's you know those are our core concepts. I'd say you know anywhere from ten to fifteen percent, maybe brand new or things that we carried over from like the previous week that was we new that week that we didn't get a chance to run that still fits with the team we're playing. Um, you know, but if if we can find a weakness to expose that week, I mean we'll put in the entire package to attack it. You know, screen play action, shot, you know, RPO, like, you know, we'll put in a whole package of things to attack a person or a scheme. If they're, if they're doing something, we think it's valuable. I think, you know, when you get into like OTAs and camps, like you're installing the, you know, your bulk of your concepts. And we give our guys a huge, a huge volume of plays during the offseason. I mean, some of those young guys, I mean, their heads, with the amount of verbiage and the amount of things and details that we ask them to do. But, you know, we want to put in the bulk of our plays for the season right there. So we have stuff to pull from throughout the season. Um, and then that way, our guys are also, they're familiar with it when we get into the games and putting the plays on on paper. <clears throat> A lot of times, you know, in season, you find yourself working, just like you said, on those complimentary plays to looks or formations that we've already shown or, you know, you're talking about in-division, in-division rivals where you're playing them twice a year and you're seeing the same defense two or three years in a row. I mean, you guys, these guys know the inside, not just as well as you know them. So, you know, you got to be able to find complimentary plays or find a person on their, on their team that you can attack and take advantage of. So that's the thing we end up spending a bunch of time on in season, in the off season. That's where, you know, the ideas and you can get a little bit more creative and try stuff um, I know our defensive coordinator and our defensive staff, you know, they get to see all those things firsthand on some of the new thoughts. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe two years ago, we tried a couple plays that we didn't like at the time, but, you know, they're coming back into the fold this year after we just retool it, you know, maybe put a different person in a different spot or add a motion or cut down this route or deepen this route. So, you know, plays in our offense are really never dead. They kind of get maybe get put on the shelf every now and then, but then they'll always come back up and, you know, we can find another way to inject it into the offense.
1: That's great stuff.
0: So you're talking
1: about putting in a new package and I know this, again, I'm asking you to answer questions on, on a, in a, in a quantitative sense, that's probably yeah. a qualitative answer because it's going to depend on how many guys you're attacking, where they are in the field Whatever. But when you say you put it in a new package, are you talking about a whole new set of formations and motions and shifts as well as certain plays? And and if you're putting in new plays, are you kind of taking the old Bill Walsh slash wing T approach where, all right, we're going to attack this guy. Let's say it's a defensive end. Well, we're going to need to put in a run at him, a run away from him. And then obviously we want to reboot or something if we're going to run away to hold him and then you know are are you looking for something to attack the entirety of the defense or to make them responsible for or put them in conflict or are you just looking like okay we're gonna put a wide run a tight run and play action and that's it like how do you like could you give us an Mm -hmm. example of a pack you don't have to say the team or like exactly what you did i know the nfl is you know, yeah. a lot of stuff that you can't talk about. And I want to respect that. But, you know, like, like, could you give us an example of something that you've done in terms of creating a quote unquote package?
0: Sure. You know, I think, I think, um, you know, w- just for example, something would be similar to like our linebackers. You know, we do for, a, you know, attacking the defense and just second, second level linebackers. Um, maybe not to the extent of like one individual person because they could, easily move a nickel or a backer in and out of the run fit, you know, those things are a little bit too fluid, but if you can attack second level with, um, you know, the RPO game, all right, then you come back and you run a screen or you run a jet sweep or you run a play action pass up a jet sweep, you know, that's a lot of different action at those linebackers. And, you know, a lot of times just if they're, if they're thinking, you know, they want to go into the game plan you know, trying to take away a certain thing, whether it's the RPO run game or um, it's putting pressure on Pat, like there's other things that we can expose them with. So a lot of it is, you know, kind of that chess match that you talk about, Of, you know, as long as you have enough stuff in that game plan to, to, um, to combat, you know, whatever they may do, they may, they may have the perfect call on for your play. Well, they can't continue to do that take away the one thing because we're going to have other stuff in the plan to counteract that. So try and stay at least from a game planning standpoint, at least one step ahead in our minds of the defense. So, um, you know, kind of almost, I don't want to say predict, but at least have an, have an idea of, uh, of at least a couple answers to get to, to make them either one, get out of it, change what they're doing. Um, and then, you know, there's a bunch of things that, you know, we have, we just, we just shown to say, hey, this is just our fiscal responsibility. Coach Childress can say this all the time. It's our fiscal responsibility to see if they practice this week. And, you know, and just about going out there, we have good players. We trust our guys to do the right thing, especially at the quarterback position with the football. And say, hey, can these guys defend it? Are they going to defend it? How are they going to defend it? And, uh, you know, and then and you can kind of start building your complimentary stuff off of that.
1: I like that, your fiscal responsibility. That's good. All right, so it's late July 2021. I'm sorry to do this to you. I know I'm cutting out your vacation. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but six weeks from now, or whenever, the first day of OTAs, yeah. everybody comes in the building, and you hand out the playbooks. And yeah. Pat, Travis, I feel like I'm, I keep using their first names like I'm buddies with them or something, but <laughs> y'all get it. They open the playbook, they see, and and I don't know if you do this anymore, I don't know if people do this, but I know on defense, some guys will put like an inventory list. So it just at the beginning, just boom, here's all our dropbacks, boom, here's all our quick games, all our RPOs, all of our play actions that we're just going to do for fall camp until we break, let's extend it into preseason, because I know like college, you say fall camp right up until like the first practice day of the week, uh, the first game week. But I yeah. know NFL, you break camp. Correct me if I'm wrong. I should know this. I've watched enough hard knocks. But, like, how far into preseason does camp, quote-unquote, last? Is it the first game, the first two games?
0: Um, typically around that, yeah, probably the first two games into the third, like when we're in the fourth preseason game schedule, into mm-hmm. that third preseason game. You know, that's when, like, the starters are, you know, getting the bulk of those reps. And then play that fourth preseason game, you know, it's those young guys or the guys who are on the bubble, you know, looking to make the team, getting tape out there. So I'd say probably like two, two and a half weeks into preseason.
1: Okay, so let's take that time period. So before, and, and you yeah. can even extend it into before you start preparing for your first opponent, where you're yeah. just kind of putting it all together. Yeah. I say that the analogy I always use is when you're installing your system, it's like going to culinary school. So you're going to learn how to cook everything. You're going to learn how to make cheesecake yeah. and pizza and sushi and whatever. And then each week you're just going to pick from the menu and you're going to create a, a menu. You're not going to cook everything. You know, this isn't Cheesecake Factory. You're not going to cook everything every day. But you're putting that menu together. You're putting that that class, so to speak, if we're going to continue yeah. writing my analogy what would you say? How much does an offense like the Kansas city chiefs who I, and, and I'm going to say this, you know, I know you're a humble guy, but for my money, nine years from now, when you hit like 2030 and you do like the decade team, all decade team, I think half of the offensive players are going to be from the chiefs <laughs> and you have one of the greatest head coaches in the NFL. You have an amazing offensive staff, clearly the best quarterback coach in the uh, at league.
0: Maybe ever.
1: But you know, an offense like that, how many concepts are you carrying into that time period where before you're even looking at an opponent, like how many dropbacks are we talking? How many quick games? Yeah. How many play actions? How many screens? How many RPOs? How many runs? Like how vast is an NFL yeah. offense? Or particularly your NF you know, your offense? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's it, it's it's a big volume. Um you know, as a player, you never really realize it, but then all of a sudden you start getting these huge master call sheets that has every play and they're, you know, four pages long, double-sided on, you know, um, huge, like 14 by 17 paper. You know what I mean? Like it's vast and it's one thing to just, you know, have a, um, you know, one concept, but then you start adding multiple concepts. You start adding multiple concepts with motions and with shifts and, you know, the the amount of combinations you can put together on a play, you know, becomes endless at some point, you know, because there's just so much that you can you can do with the guys. So we try to miss, we try to find out, you know, who we want to be um, on offense in the pass game and the run game and all that. You know, we, we find out who we want to be, find out what our strengths are, play to those strengths, and make sure that we have enough stuff that that you know give our guys the opportunity to be successful, and then you know, a lot of the time we're we're building the complimentary stuff off of that because if it's our strength, the defense knows it's our strength too. And so you know they're gonna try and find a way to um, to combat that. And so there's multiple ways that teams have done that with, you know, robbers or you know we call it forty four cheat where they're pushing the backside safety to take care of speed at three and um, or doubling you know certain guys. So you know we gotta have and find ways to have answers. Versus all that stuff in the run game, the pass game, um, the play action game. And so we spent a lot of time, you know, building out the the core concepts, but then making sure that our guys understand, Hey, this is this, these coverages give us problems or these coverages can put one or two players in the bind, how the other players work off that, right? How the auxiliary players make sure that they understand that this is the coverage. Now they all of a sudden they become primary and that they're in a position to go win. And so, um, to put a number on it. I, I I couldn't even, honestly, could not even put a number on it because, um, you know, we could continue just to continue to build and build and build the whole play. But what we focus on in these periods right now, you're talking training camp OTAs, um, you know, we're evaluating guys, right? Guys got to make our team. So we, we got to be able to, you know, be able to put plays on the paper and, and then go, go get some working on the field and use our fundamentals and all the techniques that we talk about. So, you know, we we try and focus it in during this time, but but for sure we're still trying out certain techniques. And maybe you know this is a play where you know only Kelsey is still work it because this is Kelsey's play. You know, we're not going to ask a young guy to go do that. That's you know he's just work figure out the offense. We're not going to ask him to run this route or run this concept. You know, this is something that we're looking for Kelsey to to work on because this is you know we have we identified that from our scheme eval after the season. So. You know, there's some of those type of things as well. So we're just, we're very, as an offensive staff, I feel like we're very fluid in that aspect and make sure that, you know, we, we get what we need to get work-wise, but then also just keeping our eyes, having a little bit of foresight to uh, to make sure we're still covering our bases on on all the other looks we may get or coverages we may see throughout the season. Sorry, I don't know if that answered I kind of was a roundabout question, but, but here, like, the honesty of it, uh, of it is, is, you know, when the schedule comes out and you kind of see your opponent I and mean, you know who your opponents are, but as you start kind of looking ahead at the, at the, at the game plan or at the p- potential game plans of these teams, uh, you know, we're playing, you know, a team who likes to pressure a toner. this is a man coverage team. You know, you want to make sure you're building that into your preseason and our OTAs to make sure we have enough stuff going into those games, right? You want to make sure you have enough man beaters, zone beaters, cover two beaters, like all those things come into play And so we're, you know, we're making sure that, you know, although we're not putting together a game plan for that team, you know, we're making sure that we're, we're working it, working those routes. Well,
1: and you know, if you look at the AFC West and you look at a guy like Brandon Staley is now in your division, who I know Gus goes to the Raiders, but now you have a guy that's made a living running quarters, quarter, quarter, half, half, quarter, quarter, stuff like that. Yep. You know, now that's something that, you know, you're basically playing Vic Fangio twice. And I don't, I don't mean that to be, I, I don't, that sounds kind of harsh and it's not, I think Brandon is his own guy, but I've watched both defenses and their coverage structures are very, very similar. And so now, I mean, I'm sure coach Reed is, you know, looking at those quarters beaters a little more I'm like, all right, well, you know, yeah. maybe we need to practice these a little bit more. I mean, we need to get the post dig and the scissors <laughs> and all that stuff out. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You got, you have to think of that stuff. You have to be prepared for it. Now, how,
1: how further ahead are you looking like, and this may be really hard to answer, but let's say a team, you know, like Miami is getting better, right? Better than they were before. And you know that you have a Belichick disciple and obviously the Patriots are good, but as Miami, as Miami gets better in the back of your mind, are you thinking, Hey, you know, there's a good chance we could play Miami and New England down the road. We need to get those yeah. man beaters ready because they play exponentially more man than most other yeah. teams in the NFL, I believe. I, I, and I could be speaking out of turn, but no,
0: you're you're right on.
1: Are you looking that far ahead? Or I mean, I know obviously your offense is going to have their man beaters. They're going to have their zone beaters, and within yeah. their zone beaters, they're going to have, you know, is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Whatever. Yeah. And even in man, like, okay, are they are they on the same level? Are their DBs always on the same level? Are they? On different levels, I'm sure we'll determine how you run your pick routes, but are you even looking that far ahead to be like, hey, we got to be ready for these teams in the playoffs without?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're, def- they're definitely, those type of thoughts are definitely, especially if you play them the other season, you're thinking about them because, you know, you, you know what they're watching. It, Coach Forrest, we played them in 2018 in the division championship, you know, for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, they got us. And so, and, and they, they, they played us really, they played really well. Um, you know, we didn't end up clicking until really the second half. And so, you know, you look at that game and you're able to evaluate, all right, what do you see could see some potentially some of the same coverages that, or coverage concepts that we saw in that game? You know, what do we need to do better? You know, how can we get, you know, Tyreek, or how do we get another guy down the middle of the field or attacking another, you know, another part of this field where they're potentially voided. You know, so you're always just kind of thinking of it, and that just kind of goes back into, like, um, you know, your man's thoughts for the offseason, you know, because you know, that's not to say that, you know, the Ravens couldn't use that same coverage against you, right? So we can always get work at it, or, you know, another team in the division wants to play, stop, throw some man coverage at you. Oh, well, they're going to use the same coverage structure that the Patriots did that beat us, you know, in that in that in that playoff game. So, you know, sometimes those things show back up, versus other teams that you may not have seen, but so we have some veteran guys that are, that can recognize it fast. But you know, it's a quick conversation in the sideline. Hey, these are the plays that we liked against it. You know, they're always kind of in the front of mind. Our staff's been together for a while now, so you know we've seen some of those um, have gone through the ebbs and flow of some of those good and bad things that have happened to us. So we're able to kind of pick from and, and pull from stuff that we've liked and things that we've worked on in the off season. But it's all because. You know we're, we're able to to at least have some a little bit of foresight and think about it and put some thought into the off season plan about hey if teams are going to play this they obviously you know gave us some gave us some troubles and you know here are the plays that we like against it.
1: That's interesting. I was you know it's no secret that I'm a defensive coach at heart yep. and I've done studies on the Patriots and I did a study for on YouTube. We actually talked about this in the pre interview during their playoff run when they when they beat the Rams yep. and. You know, one of the things I noticed when they were in their one stuff and they were running robber where where the backside safety was robbing in the hole they were rushing for, and I yep. noticed that when, you know, Tyreek was the third receiver and he was on the ball, that Gilmore would come over and basically as he started to bend across, he would run to the middle of the field. They had an adjustment for that because they thought he was going to run a bender, right? You yep. know, right. is Ooh. that something, you know, that you're thinking, okay, well, let's be honest. When, when you think defense in the NFL, who do you think you think Bill Belichick, when you think offense in the NFL, mm-hmm. I think Andy Reed, I think Kyle Shanahan, well, I mean, and you can see it a lot of the, the, you know, it's a copycat league. We've heard that for generations, but right. you know, people are going to look to a guy like Bill now, if they're a zone team, okay. But if you're, if you're thinking about like playing the Ravens, they saying, Hey, you know, wink might take that and, and use that right. is that specific scenario if you see something like that, is that something you're going to like practice the following season? Cause it was your last game in the season in 18 in training camp. Did you reps? I mean, and, and not this specific, I'm not actually talking about this specific scenario, yeah. but have you seen defensive adjustments in the past that you thought, okay, that was a really good idea by them. And I think other people are going to take it. Yeah. So we got to work on this. Like how much of that is absolutely. going on? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, we might even see it maybe not necessarily versus us, but, from the team might put it on tape, let's say, versus like the Buffalo Bills, right? They got an explosive attack on the perimeter. Skill sets are very similar. You know, so you're looking at teams that could potentially match up similarly to you. And this is what they did. So you got, we, you know, we're going into it, into a game going, This is, you know, this is a potentially a thought. And then let's say it never showed up. Well, you know, we might go back in the offseason and go, hey, this is the coverage that, you know, this team you know, was using. Our, you know our Chief Stevens might ever use it but we'll talk about it in our individual meetings with the guys you know we don't have to go out there and rep it but our guys are such so, we have such a smart player we're so lucky they're so smart they're able to you know really understand what you know after we, you know if we show them and explain to them they're able to understand it and then you know a lot of times they put their own little personality on it and it ends up being better than you know what we even thought and so that that that's what makes the beauty of this offense you really go goes, um, it's because those guys, you know, they love ball and understand ball. And then, you know, they're able to figure out, use their ability and make, make those things work. Even though, you know, we might be, you know, lead them on the right track, you know, they take it to the next level.
1: Well, you may not even need to wait till next season. I'm sure spags is pulling his hair out <laughs> in practice and watching other teams. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to bust this one out yeah. during good on good training camp yeah. period. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I, exactly. I know I would. Uh, you okay. know, but yeah. uh, so we've talked about game planning and and kind yeah. of off season game plan, not off season game planning, but putting the install together. Let's talk yeah. about a a, a a week or what the uh a week in the life of Mike Kafka in the NFL. You know, yeah. what does a week in the NFL look like for you? Starting on Monday, the, you know, you've you yeah. reviewed the previous game. You're starting the game plan construction. How does it go during that week and kind of how you do your day-to-day responsibilities and then tie in practice to that? Maybe uh, what you can speak about related to like stuff that you work on what day or or anything like that.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, So for me, like a game week really starts on the previous Sunday. So what I'll do is on that Sunday, I'll do, I'll, what I'll do on that Sunday is I'll get my make sure all my breakdowns are ready for Monday. You know I hate going into the office with my breakdowns not done yet, and then you're kind of behind the eight ball. You know unless you get in super early, you know you're kind of behind the eight ball already on Monday. So on Sunday, I like going in before the game, um, and and making sure all my cutouts are clean for Monday, so I can get right into work on Monday. My cut-ups are clean. Um, you know, all the data's in that I need to see. And then now I can just really focus on, you know, studying the form- my formation cut up, coverage cut up, uh, and then start getting into some of the more situational stuff, like on third down, red down. So my Monday is, you know, pretty pretty decent, you know, pretty good load between Monday and Tuesday. They're very similar. Um, those are, you know, typically our players' days off. So it's a ton of, you know, crunching the tape, crushing, crunching um, formation cut ups that we, we put together that, you know, some of our common formations and what this team's doing, you know, I'm studying their DBs their linebackers. Um, maybe there's some stunts that they'd like to do up front um, on, on passing situations that, you know, we need to be responsible for. And, you know, we'll work that in our individual. I'll get to that in a second. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll start watching um, their coverage cut up. So understanding how they play their quarters, how they play their cover three, um, if there's a certain guy that may be a little bit jumpy, what kind of technique he uses, if they're a man coverage team, are these guys a heavy press coverage man, you know, press technique, they they jump at the line of scrimmage, or they're kind of playing like a motor technique and just kind of reading it. You. you know, I, I like giving those little nuggets to the QBs, just you know, as they kind of buzz in throughout the week on uh, Monday or Tuesday, they're kind of in the office, they're watching tape on their own, you know, I'll throw them a nugget or two, that way they can just look at it and see what they think from the tape, but I like getting ahead of it so that I can throw throw a few things at them on Monday and Tuesday, um, and and so then really that's my my morning to mid afternoon, and then from mid afternoon to night, you know I'm starting to work on my the third down red zone situational stuff, putting some ideas together to get the EV and coach. So I'll, I'll write a report on both of those situations. When I get to Tuesday. And then you know, so during that time, you know, all the coaches are doing the same thing for their respective positions and responsibilities. And then we get to Tuesday, and now that base game plan starts to come together. Um, you know, you're putting the finishing touches on whatever plays you know are on paper. You know, we're doing our cross-checking for the coverages, the personnel, things we've seen, trick plays. You know, the all you know all our base pass. You know, stuff that we need to put in for for that Tuesday, so we're ready for the, our install on Wednesday. So that's really the work week. If there's anything else you want me to elaborate on, just please don't hesitate to jump in. Um, But so that's my Monday and Tuesday. When I get to Wednesday now, now it's our first install day. So we're installing the entire base game plan. um, Any kind of coverages that, if they're specific to that defense, we'll talk about it in our quarterback room. We're also installing a base uh, blitz game plan. So that's our morning meetings between the quarterbacks and the O-line <clears throat> and I'll give them those rules. or watch all the tape and that, you know, the quarterbacks do a great job. They have a lot of input. They do a great job communicating, you know, what they like, or if there's something else that we can get to just to kind of simplify rules. So, I'm, you know, that's a part of, part of that process is, you know, big time communication between us and the O-line the running backs, all the guys associated with the protection side of it. So those are always, those are fun meetings. That's one of my favorite meetings of the whole week at the blitz meeting. Um, and then we get out to practice. And so, you know, we get the practice. I think you're, you're asking about some of the, you know, practice things that we talk about on each day. Any, any time I can get these guys um, into a situation where, where they have to feel the, feel a rush or, um, or feel the pocket collapsing on them. I want to try and do I want to get them off platform, moving in the pocket, but still throwing in the pocket, right? I want to. I, want to, I just want to practice because you know, it's very rare that you're able to just a three hitch throw a ball, right? You, I mean, you may get that once or twice a game, really. Mo- majority of the time, you're you're sliding, you're moving, you're hitching, um, and you're throwing, you know, on a non-favorable platform. So we try and work that at least in our fundamental period and in, uh, in the individual, and then maybe even trying to steal some time during special teams. But that's really where a lot of that work comes into play, and I try to be. Creative with it and getting dummies out there and getting bags and, you know, make, make it kind of a fun period where those guys enjoy it and trying to give them something new, you know, every week or so. And so we, we get creative with it. We have, have great assistants here too in our quality control room and our assistant quarterback coach, uh, Dave Girardi. He does a great job too, you know, giving us ideas and, um, but, you know, that makes it fun and makes it en- engaging with the guys. And that's really, you know, that kind of program, whether you're talking about base, nickel, um, which is our third down stuff, our red zone, the bulk of those game plans are going in on those corresponding days. So after practice, you know, we're already kind of ahead on our third down plan. Cause we already talked about that on Tuesday. Now on, um, on Wednesday, once that, once we kind of stamped the third down plan, we're jumping on our red zone plan. So we're always just trying to stay a day ahead of it. Um, that way we have enough time to cross check and double check and make sure we have enough stuff for everybody. We have enough stuff for Cal. have enough stuff for Tyreek. have enough stuff for our running backs and um, you know other receivers and tight ends. So you know there's a lot of cross checking among the staff. Um, you know, and, and that's like that. That's been the best part too, because if for me, just looking at it through the quarterback lens, you know, you you got to make sure that you see the big picture. And so you know, our tight ends coach might go, Hey, you know what? This might be a little bit confusing the terminology or the word we have him doing this on one play and this on another play, how can we simplify it to make sure our guys can go out there and dysfunction and have to memorize everything. So, you know, making it, you know, a concept that our guys can play fast with. Um, so again, that, that's our, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is our fast Friday day. Which is what we call it. It's a fast red zone day with some situational stuff. And then, um, you know, we get to tidy up the game plan after Friday, put the kind of the finishing touches on it as we're going into Saturday and Sunday, and then uh, and then we go roll on Sunday.
1: That's fascinating. Yeah. Learning the process, I mean, it, it's just so different for us. You know, yeah. at lower levels and the meeting times, and you know, we have to yeah. do so much more teaching on the field. And there was yeah. some years I had where we barely had any classroom time. I mean, I coached at a high school where we didn't have lights cause it was in the middle of a neighborhood and it was a private school and everybody hated us. So <laughs> they didn't allow us to have lights. And so after the time change, you know, we had to hit the field. It was right after school and we were barely having enough time. So there was definitely no meeting time. So basically yeah. we would have to do our pre-practice meetings the day uh, before, you know, so we would try to do like yeah. meet at lunch on Monday to get our meeting done. And then Monday after practice was like our Tuesday meeting. So we have so many challenges. So it's always fascinating to hear from guys that basically have have the ideal setup and how, how you would do yeah. it.
0: Yeah. It's such a huge difference. It's just a huge difference from college to pro too, because being the GA and understanding the the school schedule and, you know, the twenty one hour rule and all that stuff, like that's that's even tough at that level. I can't imagine at the high school level too, if you're even confined even more. You know, we're thankful that you know, this is their profession. This is what you know. They, they go to sleep dreaming about this thing, and so you get guys that are like that. You know, makes it a lot easier to go to work. You know, each and every day.
1: I bet, and it doesn't. It doesn't hurt to go to work with uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and <laughs> Travis Kelsey and crew either. <laughs> this week's Coach Fast Coach Tube Corner features my longtime friend, and amazing coach, Jeff Steinberg and his course on drills to develop your quarterback coach takes you through his academy system and shows you some of his favorite drills featuring warm-up drills developmental drills his progression line drops keeping your feet with a wide base my personal favorite the john wayne drill using pop-up bags, figure eights, a pocket present drill, and some solutions to some issues. He has a section on fixing mechanical flaws, including the off elbow and the overstride correction. He also talks about everyday drills and how to plan them out. Jeff Steinberg is an amazing coach. I've been around him for a long time. He has a great offensive mind and has an impressive track record developing quarterbacks of all different skill levels. I guarantee that you will learn something from this course and you can pick it up now by going to the link in the show notes, or you can go to linktree.com slash scroll down to offensive course of the week. As usual on coach tube, he has a few chapters that are free so you can preview the course and see what's in there before making the purchase. Also coach tube has a money back guarantee. If you don't like what you saw, they'll give you your money back. No questions asked, but I guarantee with coach Steinberg, that's not going to be the case. Coach Steinberg has always been ahead of the curve. And his course on QB and his course on developing drills for your quarterback is no exception. So check it out. Linktree.com slash Coach Go to the Offensive Course of the Week. Now, this is a question that I know a lot of guys had. I, I hit up a few friends and said, hey, you know, and you know, I was... I have this thing about tempting the podcast and or football gods. I'm not quite sure yet. I don't announce people coming (laughs) on until I have recorded the audio because I just don't want any bad juju. But I I said, Hey, I'm interviewing uh, my NFL quarterback coach. What would you want to know? And unanimously was like, all right, be real. Does Indo really matter for quarterbacks at that level? You know, and I, I mentioned that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, the guy he coaches is kind of good, too. I think you'd know him right away. Like, I I was, <laughs> I was trying to be coy. Yeah. But that was a universal question. It's like, okay, what do you teach a guy? Now, listen, I want to say this. The yeah. best ever to play the game, the 10 best ever, the 20 best ever, they all had flaws. They all had things they could work on. We're not saying that they don't need individual, but, right. you know, when, when you're thinking quarterback development, at at the level yeah. that I'm at or I was at, you know, you're teaching basic, basic footwork and reinforcing that all the time. But how much individual time did you get a day or do you get a day with uh Mahomes and crew? Yeah. And what do you work on? What like how what's yeah. are you out there like shuffling over bags just to kind of reinforce and saying, okay, you know, like we still gotta work this stuff or you yeah. know, how how does that how does that work?
0: Yeah, that's good. So we get we get a ten minute period of a true individual with the quarterbacks, and then then I try. So that's really it. And you know, then we're just in the mode of practice. But then I try and steal some time during special teams, and so we'll have you know typically anywhere from like a ten to fifteen minute special teams period. So we'll go on a separate field and get all you know all fundamental work. Like I said before, like my favorite drills are getting anytime where I can you know simulate a pass rush with our quarterbacks, you know, maybe there's a team that does a bunch of these, these cannon stunts or, you know, something where, you know, they're bringing a bunch of people. Well, I'll get, we'll use our assistant coaches and get these guys to, to rush across the quarterback's face and flash across their face as we're throwing routes downfield in a controlled manner. So it's controlled chaos where, you know, we'll have guys stunting in front of the quarterback. He's got to slide move and feel it. And we'll try and emulate the exact look, that you would get in the game. So we're trying to make it as real as possible. And so those end up being good because, you know, when you're a young player and, you know, I felt it, you know, when, I, when you're back there and all of a sudden there's a bunch of things just flashing in your face, I mean, it blurs what your vision, what, or what you're seeing it blurs your vision. And so, you know, I always thought like, man, you know, if, if there's anything I can do to continue to, you know, allow our guys to feel what that feels like in a controlled setting let's do it. And so I try and get, we try and get as creative as we can. Um, we'll use the dummies in the bags and as they're pushing in the pocket, you know, I might put, put the bag and, you know, as he, after, right after he hits it, just kind of give him a little jab, you know, just to, just so he feels that, Hey, you just got, you know, you know, the DN came and just as after he delivered the pass, just tapped you on the pad. Like I'm trying to simulate those type of things, kind of getting banged around in the pocket without obviously like, you know, knocking the quarterback's head off. But, we work on that. And so, you we, we know, um, on top of that, we're we're working the fundamentals too. So those drills end up being great fundamental drills. What is the quarterback going to do as he's working in the pocket? Taking two hands off the football? Um, is he getting out of a, a throwing position? Is he staying a thrower? Or is he looking to run and, and scramble out of there? So there's fundamental things within the drill that we can still coach on. And we've gotten to a point now with Pat and Chad Henney, um, like those guys, that, and we're coaching up new players constantly in the quarterback room. Over the last couple of years, you know, those, these guys are reinforcing the same rules and same thoughts and same coaching points that we've been talking about, you know, with the veteran guys. So that's awesome to see too. Is you know, you got these guys that are just buying in to these type of drills and these type of things that we want to focus on. Because I think we all realize that it's, it's that's that's an area we can always get better at. No matter where you're at in your game, you can always get better at. You know, working in the pocket, staying staying a passer, keeping your feet, you know, in a throwing position and in the strong position, and then you know, by the time you get to the game day, you're not you're not thinking about it, right? And then packing what his natural ability show and all those things that he does that makes him special um, thrown off platform show up. But you know, I think you got to start with the fundamentals.
1: Yeah, you know, I think so many. People think that, or I, I know, I, I maybe I'm maybe uh, so many people's doing a lot of work here again. I could just be projecting, but in conversations that I've had with coaches for the last 15 years I've been in football, there was this assumption that professional players, you, you know, would blow off practice; it wouldn't be like that big of a deal. Maybe it's other sports, but no. I think now. I think we have such a deep understanding of what it takes to be an elite athlete. And there's so many, there's so many players that, that everybody's so good. And I think yeah. that when you look at a guy like a Tom Brady, who's in this mid forties, who's still doing it and how dedicated he is to his craft. I think young guys, I think it's had an impression on younger guys. That's like, okay, wait, This guy Mm -hmm. is maybe the greatest of all time. And that's a debate for another podcast. I don't even want to touch that. I'm biased. (laughs) I used to coach at his high school. So I'm, I don't I went out of that discussion, but you know, when you see a guy like that, taking his craft so seriously and working so hard, you know, I had a chance to see Eli Manning when I was at Ole miss about 10 years ago, and he just came by during the spring practice just to hang out. And then he went in the indoor and he was by himself. Just throwing at targets and things but it, it looked like he was in the Super Bowl the the attention to detail and the effort that he was practicing with yeah. and you see guys like that and you see you know multiple Super Bowl winner you know Tom Brady' maybe the greatest ever working at their craft I think and I think the power of that was social media guys posting their workouts. I think younger athletes are, are take training more seriously than before. And I could be full of crap, but it, it's a, it's a feeling that I've had. And so, but yeah. because I, I, growing up, it was, you know, there was always these stories, especially in other sports, where like guys are smoking at halftime and just crazy yeah. stuff, yeah. you know, like, like just wild, yeah. like drinking like 10 minutes before the game, uh, you know, yeah. but a guy like a, a Patrick Mahomes who has all the physical tools in the world is super sharp the guy's an icon and how old is he like 24? How, how old is he Mike?
0: Oh yeah. He's 25, 25
1: well, years old. He's an icon. And, right. but to take it seriously and, and still go out there and work every day, like you're trying to win the starting job. And that's, that's gotta be, that has gotta be great to have a guy like that. Who's, who's phenomenal on and off the field and particularly phenomenal on the field when it's, you know, Crafting the building blocks to be great.
0: Sure. I'm, I'm I'm definitely fortunate to have the you know those type of guys in the room. I mean, it makes my job that much easier.
1: I can't imagine. I can't imagine being your first year in the NFL as a quarterback coach. Well, you were you were quality control your first
0: year at the Chiefs. Yeah. So first year, yeah, quality control, um, and you know working because Nagy. So Nagy was our offensive coordinator, right, and and quarterback coach. So there really wasn't like two split, two position split. He was doing kind of both. And so, um, you know, although it was a coordinate uh, quality control, you know, I kind of jumped in and, you know, as he was working on their stuff, I'd jump in and help out with the drills. And, you know, he gave me a lot of responsibility to do those type of things. He trusted me to do that. And so I took it serious and, you know, although I wasn't it by title, you know, I felt that, you know, that was something that, you know, that, that was there giving me that kind of responsibility to take control of.
1: That's great. I I can't imagine getting, you know, being I I was a college GA.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, And I wasn't, I was at San Jose State, so not quite Northwestern, but to all of a sudden your next year be in the NFL and then your next year, you're the position coach for a guy like that. Like every (laughs) time I think about you and your story and when I was writing these questions, I was just like, could you imagine?
0: I was so lucky to have, to be in a situation at Northwestern where I played there. I, most of the staff, like 90% of the staff was still the same staff that I played with for, for four years. That's you know? so cool. And then, and then I get, I get to come to the chiefs where coach Reed drafted me in Philadelphia. So like, you know, the bulk of the offense was the exact same. So two situations to where, you know, I jumped in and basically knew the offense in and out from day one. And so just a completely different perspective. You know, of my story of getting into both of these situations where, you know, I, I jumped in. I knew what they, you know, I knew all the lingo, knew how we were calling the mic IDs from day one, knew how we were doing all these, you know, most of the concepts. You know, just a little bit of catching up here and there, but for the most part, understanding you know how the offense is run and how Coach Reed wants this thing done. So you know, I just had such a fortunate situation. Probably wouldn't have been able to work work out any other way. You know, if it weren't for that you know, those
1: two situations with, with Coach Reed and coach kids. So great. So great. Yeah. All right. So we usually don't talk about individual players and, and the sort of fan kind of questions, quote yeah. unquote, but I would be remiss to not ask these questions because we're talking <laughs> about somebody who's truly special. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, I'm going to ask you the dumbest question on the planet. But I have to. It's like part of I think it's legally obligated. Yep. <laughs> What's it like to coach Patrick Mahomes?
0: <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, he's a guy that comes in every single day. You know, he challenges he challenges the room, he challenges himself, he certainly challenges me to make sure, you know, I'm on top of my game and, and giving him the best the best information and the best I can I can give him um from 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 a, from a coaching aspect. But he's, he's, he's awesome. You know, he, he loves competing. Um, he loves coming to work every single day. He, he comes prepared every single day with a legit intent to get better. And, you know, as a young coach, as any coach, I mean, I, I know I'm lucky um, to be coaching him. but you know, you, I never want to take that for granted when you give a great player that loves being coached, loves playing, you know, does all the things you ask him, it's such a sponge and asks great, you know, insightful questions. That that makes you go, oh, you know what? We, we should probably do it this way, or you know, reevaluate how maybe you want to coach something. You know, he's he's that type of player, and so he's made me better from day one. Um, and you know, for that, I, I, you know, you know, I'm working to just continue to facilitate facilitate him and make sure that I give him everything he needs to be successful and the answers to the test. So you know, when I have a guy like that, you know, it makes me come to work excited. And eager to you know to find out anything I can to improve the game
1: now, what do you think the best part of his game is?
0: Yeah, it's a good one. so th- there's there's a lot, but I love his ability to create outside, inside and outside the pocket. I mean, he he really takes our plays to the next level, where you know these are these are we're calling plays sometimes that are staples, West Coast staples, plays that are, were run you know, back Bill Walsh was calling him. And he's able to, he's able to take our place to the next level. And we have great skill around him. He'll be the first one to tell you, you know, it all starts up front with line and the great skill guys that we have and the trust that he has in those guys. But, you know, as a as quarterback coach, I'm telling I mean, Pat makes a lot of these things work for us. And, and so, you know, he takes our place to the next level. He takes our offense to the next level. He does things that, um, you know, guys in this offense and, and that are played
1: before him, can't do, simply can't do. Yeah, but is he ever going to truly eclipse the greatest quarterback to ever live, Dan Marino? I mean, is this like a legitimate <laughs> thing that he could do? <laughs> All
0: right, I had to. I
1: had to. Yeah. I know, I know.
0: <laughs>
1: so we always have our guests that come on for the first time answer a championship okay. question. Okay. And it's a it's a question that I – Keep the same so you get a feel for the guest and their personality and what they would like to do in this situation. So I'm going to give it to you. Uh, So Super Bowl, you're down by two points. It's fourth and nine. I'm going to move the yard line back because it's the NFL. So the kickers can kick the ball. Usually I say fourth and nine from the 35, which you may answer, just kick the field goal and win the game. So I moved it (laughs) back a little bit. So it's fourth and nine at the 42 yard line. You got 11 seconds left. You got one timeout your kicker's nails and you just got to get the first call the timeout, get the field goal kicker on and win to get another Lombardi trophy. And usually I say all things being equal and I I vanilla it up because I'm usually asking from a defensive perspective and I'm going to give you the full compliment of the chiefs offense.
0: Okay. Uh, What's your call? Okay. So that's a good one. Fourth and nine from the 42, 11 seconds one timeout. All right. So the first thing I'm thinking about is pressure. So possible cover zero situation. Um, you know, you're on that fringe, so you got to be thinking potentially cover zero, or just you know obviously not trying to get the first down. Um, I'm also thinking of about protecting the edges with at least at least one shipper, maybe two, um, 22 man, or potential like doubles come into play right 22 man or doubling kelsey and tyreek so you'd want to have a play where kelsey and tyreek are obviously the primaries versus multiple coverages um with the cover zero answer so that's so some so potentially something for tyreek to win in the man situation and kelsey to win in the zone situation um you have a lot of you, know, you have a lot of listeners out here that are defensive guys, so I don't know if I want to go too far on the exact play call, but some insight into that. Um, this would be a play, so I have a play in mind for Kelsey and Tyreek. Um, we might use it this year, so I don't know if I can say that a lot, but
1: no, that's okay. And and and, not, and honestly, to me, it's not the play call that's fascinating; it's the thought yeah. process. And to that point, you're the yeah. first guy. Well. That's enough. I was gonna say you're the first guy that's ever done this, but this is only a few a few episodes in for the offense. Yeah, you're the first guy that talked pass protection first, so I know yeah. you're an NFL coach. <laughs> you <laughs> talked about the pro first, and you talked yeah. about that and then chipping and all that stuff. So you don't have to give exact play, but your thinking is is fantastic. So if you can't give a specific play, yeah, um, you know, and I always ask this question to guys who. Or this is also maybe unfair. I ask this question to guys that. Like, I don't know how many guys I've had on that are actually have a shot at being in like the national championship or the super bowl in the next like year. You actually yeah. do. <laughs> and so I don't, I, I would hate to be like, could you imagine like you get in that situation, you come on here, you teleplay the other team stops and they're like, well, we didn't really know what to call, but I remember when Mike Kafka was on the run fast option podcast. First of all, I'm shutting down the podcast and I'm hiding from you. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want that. I don't need those problems.
0: Right, right. So I get it. Well, but this is but this is good because this is literally a situation that we would talk with our quarterbacks like the night before the game to make sure we were prepared. We talk about these ones, whether it's fourth and fifteen, fourth and nine, fourth and five, fourth and two. You know, you know, go through it all, all all the situations. You know, same thing if we're down inside. The goal on and in the red zone, you know, to goal, right? At the fifteen, at the ten, at the five, twenty, at the two. You know, we talk about all these things and put plays down for us and have kind of an open discussion the night before. So that's part of our prep with our QBs.
1: Now, do you have a script of situations that you go over each night or each I guess it would be the night before the game at the hotel? Do you have like a list of those or you just kind of randomly generate them? to keep them off. Oh,
0: no, it's, it's, it's the same, you know, it's just, you know, a standard kind of just at least something that we have on paper that, you know, we have a list that we can go through towards the end of the game. You know, if we might, we might have a two or three plays in each situation, you know, fourth and 10, five and two, just for example, um, for the game, right For the game. So we'd have two or three plays. Each quarterback would have two or three plays. And then, you know, come the end of the game, some of those situations start coming up. We might go, oh, hey, you know what, Pat liked this one, Chad liked this one, and kind of spitball it between coach and EB, give them the information so that they can make a decision. And, uh, you know, a lot of times if someone, if a coach has a conviction about a certain play or a certain call, you know, that might override it too. So it's, it's flexible, but at least it gives us a, a talking point to where we're not just scrambling on it, you know, for the game on the line. You know, we at least have. discussion of that prior to the situation
1: coming up now usually that's the last question first of all great answer love the way you thought about it and and, and again it's not so much the the final product that's cool like if you'd have just been like i would have called z46 smash x dig. but i mean if it was descriptive like that i guess you could figure it out but i wouldn't probably be able to figure it out so having a specific play to me is not as important as the thought process but yeah, yeah, for sure. it generated a quick question before I let you go. Now, in terms of play calling, and I know that a lot of staffs don't like to reveal this, so you don't have to answer. Yeah. But when you guys are calling plays during the game, do you have somebody like, is this more of a college thing where you have because I know you're the passing game coordinator? Does that entail yeah. you actually calling the passes or does that entail like more of the prep week coordination? Like, how does that work?
0: Yeah, that's good. Yep. So it's a, it's a little bit of both. I, I don't I won't call I don't call the plays on game. That's Coach Reed. That's Coach E B. Um, they work through that. But in game, you know, part of part of the um, part of the job is also just giving coach feedback and the coverages. You know, coach is worried about situational things. You know, touches getting make sure he's getting touches and make sure we're having the right plays, like um, dialed into the actual play by play. And so I'm a lot of times. Kind of constructing, whether it's a list of concepts in between series, um, working with the guys up top in the booth on some of the coverage things that they're doing and kind of being able to relay that information to coach like, hey, this is what they're doing. Here are some of the concepts from the plan that we like. You know, giving him a bank to pull from and consistently just making sure we're adjusting uh, to whatever, you know, the defense is doing, you know, making sure that we're ahead of, as we talked about earlier, just being ahead of the defense on what they're doing or what they're, you know, could be doing or, um, you know, just making sure we have some answers for things that maybe, maybe we need to get the drive started. You know, you may, you may ask the staff, Hey, what do we like? And, you know, give us, you know, guys can kind of package some plays together and give it to them.
1: And you're on the field during the game. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. So coach Reed, uh, EB and you are all on the field, huh? Yep. That's right. How much, that's I'm right. sorry. I know we're going to overtime. Last question. I promise. How much has having yeah, the good. surface pros changed life for you? Or maybe you weren't there before they came in so you don't well, no, you you were a player, so yeah, I was yeah, no there. I know yeah. duh so what what sorry, uh, what how much has it really changed? Because I was talking to somebody last night about this about you know the different levels and things, like what what, as I know as a high school coach, it changed my life. but um it, how yeah. much has it helped?
0: It's phenomenal. I mean, I love it. at uh, one year, I think they tested out, this is probably like 2014, they actually had the video during the preseason, it was the actual video clips. So like you can watch your, essentially was you were watching the tape in real time on on the sideline. I think they, they stopped doing it for whatever reason, but those, those, um, those tablets are phenomenal, you know, being able to, um, you know, see the post because things are happening so fast. And like, where I try to position myself on the sideline so I can kind of get, a, I try to it as far back on the defense so I can kind of get the biggest picture of what they're doing in the back end. And so I'm trying to look at it, maybe writing down notes and writing circle and concepts, like in the drive as we're going, so that I can kind of anticipate when we get to the sideline, um, hey, I need to look back at this play. What would, would the backside corner do, or the backside safety that, you know, whatever type of plays we have in our game plan, that could complement what they just did, that we should get to. And so, you know, that's part of, as Coach and EB are working on the play-by-play, You know, I'm trying to work and stay ahead and making sure that we all, you know, we're all kind of making sure we're tying in the game plan that we put together.
1: That's interesting. I thought you guys actually had the film on the sideline, so I was mistaken.
0: No, it's just the, uh, it's just the pictures. For whatever reason, a few years ago, they they got away from the film, but at one time there was, there was the pure film that was crazy. I don't understand
1: why that. I mean, I I coached in high school football and had this. You mean to tell me the NFL can't do this? (laughs) Are they worried about a certain team? Maybe hacking? Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Coach, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, Fascinating insight to the game we all love and watch on Sundays and I guess Mondays and Thursdays and sometimes Fridays or Thursdays and Saturdays and Saturdays, whatever the playoffs. But thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you. I'd apply.
1: Thank you to Mike Kafka for coming on the show. It's not every day that an NFL assistant coach comes on the podcast, especially one in the caliber of Mike, but he came on. We had a blast and I feel very humbled that he chose to do this podcast. I'm sure he gets a thousand requests a year. So when I post the episode I usually tag the guest Show him some love Thank him for coming on It really meant a lot to me And I know it was awesome For you guys to check out Housekeeping Follow me on Twitter At CoachVast The show's account At RunVasOption, Also at MDGA Podcast For all my links Including YouTube, Patreon CoachTube course of the week Huddle Blah 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 Go to LinkTree.com Slash CoachVas. Come say hi I said this on the other podcast one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things is to receive messages from longtime listeners, first time callers, so to speak. Really love hearing from you guys. So just say hi. That's all. Tell me you love the show. Tell me you hate the show. Whatever. I just love hearing from you guys, especially from my international listeners. And make sure you hit me up this coming week. I'm going to be on the road. Again, at Vass Option, at CoachVast, at MDGA Podcast. And whether you're four verts or three yards in a cloud of dust, we are here for all your offensive needs, and we will see you next time.